Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis. You can find me scoutfantasysports.com. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. On Instagram as well, Aaron88. I am with you for the next hour, taking you until 8 p.m. Eastern, leading up to Monday Night Football to cap Week 7. Giants and Falcons playing tonight. Nothing major with the inactives. As expected, Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Snoo both playing inactive for the Falcons. And for the Giants, Evan Ingram makes his return. So nothing to impact your lineup decisions or DFS decisions for tonight there but we got a lot to get to and again make sure you check us out scoutfantasysports.com we have analysis of the big trade Amari Cooper going from the Raiders to the Cowboys for our first round pick and I'm going to break that down in a second you know I got a lot to say as a Dallas Cowboys fan and big fantasy football player of course my early look at the waiver wire article is up uh, injury report as well from Bill Enright and of course Dr. Roto with his uh, prescription notes from week seven. You can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want uh, as a member. And check out Scout DFS as well, where we got NBA DFS underway, and you can get a free seven-day trial for NBA. That includes the optimizer, so makes sense to try it out. You got nothing to lose. See how it works. Win some money, then come back, become a member to ensure that you continue that money to come in. NHL DFS and, of course, NFL DFS as well. And if you use the promo code RONIS70, you get 70% off your first month. So make sure you take advantage of that today and become a member. And VegasWhispers.com for your gambling needs. Uh, they had a good call for college football. They had Purdue getting 13, and Purdue won outright. So uh, their prime time picks have been great as well and I know they gave out a free pick last Monday night they occasionally give out some free picks last Monday night they gave out the over on the Packers 49ers game and of course that worked out so the pick for tonight's game between the Falcons and Giants is up so head over to VegasWhispers.com but uh, we'll kick it off looking at the big story of the day and that is of course is Amari Cooper the Raiders trade him to the Dallas Cowboys for a 2019 first round pick so I saw when the news broke immediately, and it said the Cowboys acquire Amari Cooper. So I said, okay, I'm fine with that. Then I saw what the compensation was. And when they said a first-round pick, that is when I said, what the hell are the Cowboys doing? It just doesn't make sense to give a first-round pick for this guy. He obviously has one year left last uh, next year. They, the Raiders had picked up his option from his rookie contract. So he gets paid, I think, $13, 14000000 million next year. Then he's a free agent. So obviously... He's going to want a contract, but no one else was giving up a first-round pick for this guy. And I know I tweeted out earlier, you know, the Patriots traded a fifth-round pick for Josh Gordon, 
And yes, the situation is different. Gordon with his background. But even if he never played a down for the Patriots, you only give up a fifth-round pick. I know Amari Cooper has a resume. He has two really good seasons. He's 24 years old. Inconsistency last year. Inconsistency this year. He has four games this year of 17 yards or fewer. And then, of course, in the other games, 10 for 116, 8 for 128, and a touchdown. So we know that there is talent there. And he's had success. And I guess the way the Cowboys look at it is saying, okay, we were probably going to take a wide receiver in round one next year. We have a guy that has had success in the NFL. You didn't need to give up a first-round pick. I'm almost certain no one else was giving up a first-round pick. I think I saw a report that said maybe the Eagles were going to give up a second-round pick. But this is not going to cure the problem for the Cowboys. Does it help? Yes. And I wrote wrote this on ScottFantasySports.com because I think a lot of people see this trade and they go, oh, this is going to help Amari Cooper. Cowboys really need a wide receiver. He's going to get the targets. And if someone believes that, I would trade Cooper to them right now. There's a few issues here. We've seen it throughout the last several years. How often do we see wide receivers change teams in the free agency period and struggle because it's difficult to learn a new playbook, develop chemistry, and rapport with the quarterback. Now we're asking Amari Cooper to do this in the middle of the season in an offense that plays at one of the slowest paces in the NFL and doesn't pass the ball much. So yes, Cooper's going to get targets here, but how many? The Cowboys don't want to throw if they don't have to. They would like to take the lead and just pound the football, and their defense is much improved. So Cooper maybe gets 20% of the target share here, but the other thing is Amari Cooper gets shut down by elite cornerbacks. It happens way too often, and all you need to do is look at his numbers, and you see it with how many down games he's had. Week 5 against the Chargers and Casey Hayward, one catch, 10 yards. Xavier Howard against Miami in Week 3, Two catches, 17 yards. It just happens too much. We saw it last year, and I know he was banged up last year. He was playing through injury. And he had 210 yards in one game. That accounted for like a good portion of his season because he had 680 yards as a whole. So he is going to get the most attention from the defense by far of anyone on this Cowboys team. And Michael Gallup was really starting to develop, and I think one of the reasons why the Cowboys went out and made this deal is because they know that Gallup is learning on the job, basically. And they're hoping that Cooper can come in and just help them. But Gallup was someone I was looking at in deeper formats, and maybe it helps him a little bit because he won't get that much attention. But I just think it's going to be a roller coaster for Amari Cooper. I really don't think this is that beneficial a lot of people will saying, oh, he's going from a terrible Raiders team that's struggling. You know, Dak Prescott has been erratic. You know, Dak had a tough time developing a rapport with Des Bryant last year. And, you know, he struggles at times. And I think part of it is the lack of weapons, but some of it's on him as well. So I just don't see how this situation gives Amari Cooper a boost. I think at best he's a wide receiver three. But I think if you have someone that thinks this is going to help him immensely and they're willing to trade for him, I would I would do it. And remember, too, Cooper now has two bye weeks. He was on bye last week, and the Dallas Cowboys have a bye this week, although some of his fantasy owners might not notice the difference with his inconsistent performances. So the talent is there. 
but he just has been too inconsistent. And that's one of the things in fantasy football we need is we need a player that's going to go out and consistently perform. These up-and-down roller coaster performances like Hooper produces, in best ball you can deal with it, but when you have to make lineup decisions week in, week out, it's tough. And basically what I do when evaluating Cooper for people, because I don't have him in any leagues this year, is I basically go based on matchup. If he's going to face the top corner, I don't want him near my lineup. And the Cowboys' schedule is actually pretty good going forward. It's not that bad offensively, but again, it's the identity of this offense. It's a team that does not want to throw the football. When they fall behind big, they're in trouble because they are just not equipped to come back. It is just not the style of football that they play. Now, the Cowboys come back from a bye next uh, on uh, Monday, November 5th. They play the Titans. Uh, I saw that Adoree Jackson's been graded very highly this year for the Titans. Uh, they play the Eagles. They've been struggling in the secondary. The Falcons... They struggle. Redskins, he could see Josh Norman. The Saints, Marshawn Lattimore's back. They get the Eagles again. The Colts and the Bucks. So there's some good matchups in there. No question about it. But I just think it's going to be a real up and down rest of the way for a guy like Amari Cooper who goes to the Cowboys. Some of the other news going on today. Le'Veon Bell's holdout is going to continue this week. He did not report to the team today. So Bell... I don't know what's going on with him. And maybe he's just uh, waiting out to the trade deadline. But people have been asking what to do with Bell. And, and I really don't know it, in terms of, like, should you trade for him? Or if you're a Connor owner, should you acquire Bell? Or if you have Bell and Connor, should you trade one away? I mean, I just don't know what's going to happen here with Bell. And the longer he sits out, you don't know what type of conditioning he's in. Does he come back? And if the Bill, uh, Steelers uh, stick with him, does he split with Connor? since he doesn't want to be overworked anyway. So it's kind of a dicey situation here, and you just hope that we get more clarity very soon. And that when this trade deadline passes, you know maybe the Eagles make a play for him. Uh, Eagles falling to three and four and not getting much out of the running backs. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. So once again, you know the report was he would be back, and he's not. So you got to be very careful with what you believe. And it's just been a, a frustrating year for anyone who drafted Le'Veon Bell, and especially if you did a draft early. Because the indication was what happened last year would happen this year and that he would report, miss training camp and report. So in July and even mid-August drafts, you know, a lot of people were taking Le'Veon Bell 2-3. And then as it got closer, though, as we got closer to the season, I think you needed to back off. I remember I had a draft the day after Labor Day, and I did not take Le'Veon Bell at 2 because it was concerning then. So the closer we got to the season, I think there was some alarms ringing that could have swayed you to stay away from Bell at that point. Sony Michelle, it looked like a bad injury yesterday for the rookie Patriots running back, but according to the MRI test, he has avoided structural damage in his knee. He is weak to weak, so let's just hope that is true. And obviously, they don't need to push Michelle. I don't think he plays next week for sure. Patriots play Monday night next week as they head to Buffalo. So that should be an easy game for them. So James White obviously will continue to be the back to own there. I know Kenyon Barner was in the mix, but I'm not I'm not adding him or playing him. I think people are going to start to ask that question. I just think what this does is they go pass heavy. And we've seen the Patriots do that before. You know, they'll hand the ball off to White a little bit and they'll also target him in the passing game. Now Barner did have 10 carries for 36 yards. He played 17 snaps, 
but I just don't think there's going to be much fantasy value there because you're going to need a touchdown from him. So I would not be looking to add him. Maybe if you're in the high-stakes leagues with 20 roster spots and maybe you have a, a free spot and you want to spend a few bucks just to see, okay, but I'm not going crazy, not spending a lot of money. I just don't think he's going to play a big enough of a role. I think this will be a pass-heavy team. Marshawn Lynch was placed on injured reserve. He has a groin core muscle injury, possibly will have surgery. So now he's out till at least week 16. That means in fantasy, bye-bye, you can cut him. You're not waiting around for him. We don't even know if he's going to play, and that could be it for his career with the Raiders. Not like they needed him anyway. So you can cut Lynch. And people started to pick up some of the Raiders running backs uh, days ago because we knew that Lynch had this injury. We just didn't know the severity of it. So Doug Martin might have been added. And I wrote about Jalen Richard today, and I'm going to have more extensive on Doug Martin tomorrow in the week fab guy. I'm just not excited about Doug Martin. I had the opportunity to pick him up in a couple weeks, and I, and I can't. And I under, there are some scenarios where you're desperate at running back. Four more teams are on by this week. There were several injuries over the weekend. But it just doesn't set up well for Doug Martin. He hasn't been good this year. He hasn't shown any explosiveness. And the Raiders are going to be playing from behind. This is an awful football team. Maybe they trade some more pieces. And I think you're going to see Jalen Richard more. I'd much rather pick up Richard, especially in PPR. And Richard has had a pretty good year in PPR leagues. The problem is you don't know when to play him. Although most of his weeks have been double-digit PPR formats. If you look at what he's done this year, he's had at least double-digit points in PPR formats in four of six games. Now, included in there is week two against Denver. He only played eight snaps and had a zero. But since then, you know, he's been pretty consistently involved. Now, I know week six Lynch left, so that played a factor, too, where he had seven for 48. But I think Rashard's going to give you, you know, a pretty high floor of eight to ten points in PPR formats each week because I just see him being on the field. And I think he could get some more carries. I don't think he's a guy that's going to get 15 but sprinkle in, you know, five to eight carries in addition to what he can do in the passing game. And there's definitely some value there. As far as some of the other situations for the Raiders with the trade, you know, Jordy Nelson obviously is going to get more targets. Martavis Bryant, I, I would consider him in a deep format in a high stakes league if he's out there. I might add him. Look, he has the ability to make big plays. He's made mistakes this year. He's dropped passes. I think he's played about 37% of the snaps so far, but you know that's going up. It'll be Bryant and Jordy on the outside and Seth Roberts in the slot. So maybe, again, 20 roster spots might consider Seth Roberts, but this offense is going to stink. Derek Carr is not that good. So they'll be playing from behind and passing a lot, but I don't want to re- really be invested in the Raiders. Jared Cook would be the guy, obviously. I think Cook and Jordy are the guys you would consider most weeks. The other guys are going to be matchups and bench depth. Uh, maybe some bi-week fillings, but I'm not feeling good about this Raiders offense. The Dolphins, they're in trouble at wide receiver this week, and they play Thursday night against the Texans. Kenny Stills has already been ruled out. He will not play. He's dealing with a groin injury, so he is going to be out. And Albert Wilson, who exploded last week, he is out with a hip injury, and potentially his season could be over. He is visiting a specialist to see what the severity of it, of the hip injury is. But we know Mills, Wilson is definitely going to miss some time and possibly the season. So this team is very shorthanded right now. And what that means is we're going to see Devontae Parker this week. And that's another messy scenario. His agent came, came out saying that the Dolphins were lying and that he's not hurt. Clearly, they want to trade Devontae Parker. They're not going to get much for him. He's definitely talented, but it hasn't translated into the field in terms of consistency. So we will see Parker play this week. 
Uh, I don't see how you can feel good starting him, but you'll see Parker probably on the outside with Jakeem Grant and Danny Amendola in the slot. Amendola's the guy here. Brock Osweiler also will start for the Dolphins in Week 8. Ryan Tannehill still out with that shoulder injury. And what we have seen is Amendola has 18 targets over the last two games with Brock Osweiler at quarterback. So uh, in deeper leagues, PPR formats, I think Amendola is in play. He could be sitting on the waiver wire. Uh, Again, I'm not going to be high on him, but in deeper formats, maybe you have some bye week issues, I think Amendola is in play this week against the Texans because they are really shorthanded at the wide receiver position. But we have a lot more to get to, a lot more news. Got a rant about a situation that I think you guys can learn from in fantasy. When you have an instinct and a plan, sometimes you need to stick with it. If you go off script and try to deviate, it can backfire. And I'm going to tell you what happened to me and why I kind of regret something that I did in a draft this year. And we'll continue to recap week seven. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern leading up to the Week 7 finale. Falcons and Giants deciding a lot of fantasy weeks. Two teams that have been struggling this year, but some points should be put on the board on both sides tonight. You can find me, ScoutFantasySports.com. We have the analysis of the Amari Cooper deal We have the injury report. I have an early look at the waiver wire for week eight, Dr. Roto's prescriptions notes. And of course, you can have your questions answered anytime on the message boards and the forums. Myself, Dr. Roto, and Sean Childs there to answer your questions. If you use the promo code RONIS70, you get 70% off your first month. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter promo code FNTSY upon sign-up, to choose your matchups using the Props Builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. I want to talk now about a situation and, and learning lessons in fantasy. And I think that's what I try to do 
on my shows is always try and learn and teach people fantasy. And I think a lot of times we make mistakes. And I always say in life that I like to learn from other people's mistakes. Of course, you have to make mistakes yourself to learn. But I think if you can learn from other people's mistakes, it can really help you in life. So as you guys know, anyone who's listed, I don't take as part of the blueprint tight ends early in drafts for this year. Obviously, it changes every year. But I didn't want to take Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz in the first three rounds. But I've always said the key to success in fantasy is when value is presented to you and other owners make mistakes, you capitalize. And it happens a lot. We know people reach for players. So in one league, the Greenwich Street Tavern League, in round four, Travis Kelsey was there at 4-9. To me, that was value that fell to me. Again, Kelsey was not part of the blueprint, not part of the plan, but I didn't like anything else on the board. I already started my draft with Alvin Kamara, A.J. Green, and Adam Thielen. I wasn't going to reach on a running back to get an RB2. I had an RB1, and a lot of times I'll get that RB1 and rotate the RB2 spot until I find someone. So at 4-9, Kelsey was a value. I pounced. In Las Vegas, in the Fantasy Football World Championship online draft, I did not do the same in terms of taking the value. Now, some people might say it's a value. I don't think it was. So I was picking one, and on the turn, I decided to do something a little bit different. That wasn't something that I was going to do this year. And I said, you know what? Okay, this is my last draft. I think I'm in nine redraft leagues. I don't have Rob Gronkowski anywhere. What if he has a big year? What if he has 10, 11 touchdowns? They're lacking some weapons. You know what? Let me switch it up. I haven't taken Gronkowski anywhere. Let me take him. And I regret it. I regret it. And then the situation that happened this week. We find out on Saturday that he's on the injury report now with a back injury. And then we find out he didn't make the flight. And we all knew then he wasn't going to play. And the worst part about this is if you're in a high stakes league, you know that waivers runs Wednesday and Friday. So my backup tight end was Ricky Seals-Jones, who played on Thursday. So I had to take a zero. And that's the frustrating part with a Rob Gronkowski. The back injury goes back to college. He's had the surgery. So a lot of times in our fantasy drafts, you'll hear that people say this all the time. Well, he was too much of a value. I couldn't pass him up. If you don't like a player, you're not feeling him, just don't take him. And... It was a mistake. I should have avoided Gronkowski. It's not like he was a value. Now, if, I, if he was, you know, fourth round, sure. I have three solid picks. But now in the third round, and, you know, we have the extra flex spot, you need him to come through. And he has not even been good when he's been on the field this year. I mean, he's been okay, but not what you drafted him for. So now the reports are uh, Michael Girardi, works for the NFL Network, said Gronkowski could be ready for week eight. And you know what? They're playing Monday night against the Bills. Number one, they don't need him against the Bills, so I wouldn't be surprised if he sit. But apparently he had painful back spasms that happened on Friday. They think it's short-term, but again, he has a history of back problems. So, again, it's a lesson. Don't take the guy. And it happens every year in every sport. Oh, I can't believe this guy fell to round eight. Well, if you didn't want it before, there's a reason. And a lot of times those picks 
do not pan out. You think you're getting a value? It's not. There's a reason why they fall. Now, and again, Gronk didn't. With Gronk, it was there's risk with him, obviously, with the health. He's an older guy. He's big, and he's had a ton of injuries. So uh, that was a pick I regret. And and anyone who knows me knows I'll say a pick just because a pick doesn't work out doesn't mean it was bad. Sometimes the process was right, and it just didn't work out. I like Kenny Stills, you know, I think the process. I, I like Kenny Stills. Took him in the same draft, and it hasn't worked out. You know, the Dolphins have spread the football around. They've been playing at a slow pace. They haven't passed. So that's a pick. I don't regret. I mean, what I've obviously in hindsight, I'd like to do something different. But Gronkowski, I regret because it wasn't something that I would do, and I just decided to be a little bit different, try something that I didn't do in any draft, and you see how that happens. You just need to stick with the blueprint. You can diversify players if you play in multiple leagues, but should it just – not have gone with him. The other frustrating thing for the weekend was Melvin Gordon. You know, we knew on Saturday that he popped up on the injury report with a hamstring. And it might have been tough for some people, especially on the West Coast, because that was a London game, 9.30 a.m. Eastern. So we really didn't find out till 8 a.m. Eastern. I know someone in my home league didn't see the news and got stuck with him in the lineup. Nah, I don't really have sympathy because he's on the East Coast. But that's the one thing about the London games. I... I'm indifferent on the London games. The one thing I do like is, okay, we get to watch an extra game. Yeah, I got to get up early, but you get to watch an extra game in isolation. It's always good. Makes it a long day. But I know on the West Coast, for you guys, it's even worse. I mean, that's 6.30 a.m. Eastern, so that is rough. So you have to take that into account. We have one more London game this week, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, the Eagles and the Jags. So you just have to know that and be prepared. Put it in your phone or something. Other things of note in the news, uh, Dirk Cutter said that Peyton Barber picked up an injury in overtime for Tampa Bay. He did not reveal what it was. All he said is we'll be putting out an injury report on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, Ronald Jones would be the next guy up, and he did have a touchdown this past week. But you don't feel good about this running game. They haven't been able to run the football. So I'm not really excited about Ronald Jones. I know he's been picked up. Over the last few weeks, people were hoping that he would be the guy for the Buccaneers coming out of the bye, and it didn't happen as Peyton Barber had a good game two weeks ago, but it's a running game that has had a real difficult time getting on track. Kiki Kuti, he has a hamstring injury. They're saying it's not serious, but obviously he will not play in Week 8. The Texans play Thursday night, so we have seen this numerous times now. These hamstring injuries, they just don't go away. The only thing that you can do is rest it. And Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook are finding that out the hard way now. And same thing with QT, who had the hamstring injury in training camp and missed the first few games of the season, then had some big games. So, obviously, no one really benefits here for the Texans. It's DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. And it's probably good news there for Will Fuller owners because we did see him take a little bit of a backseat in a couple games with QT getting the targets. Part of it might have been because Fuller wasn't completely healthy and was a little bit more of a decoy. But this will help Fuller going forward, who did have... Uh, one of his better games in the past couple weeks. Uh, the Jacksonville, man, what a mess this team is. They lose again, and they benched Blake Bortles in Week 7. He's been terrible. The Jags have not scored in the first half in three consecutive games. Bortles lost two fumbles. They couldn't move the ball. And as I mentioned earlier with Dallas, Jacksonville, they fall behind. They're done. They can't play from behind. You know, a 14-point deficit for them is like, 
35 for another team. They're just not equipped to play that well. They do announce, though, that Bortles will start for Jacksonville this week, although Cody Kessler will be taking some reps with the first team, and I guess they can go to him at any point. But, man, Jacksonville, it seems like a long time ago, they beat New England, and they're just playing awful football right now. Defense just not dominating, and the offense can do nothing. But Bortles will get another shot uh, this week uh, for the Jacksonville Jags. Bills are going to start Derek Anderson in Week 8 against the Patriots. Man, what an awful Monday Night Football game that's going to be. So what that means, stream the Patriots' defense this week. Anderson turned the ball over four times against the Colts. So you can look at Derek Anderson, uh, uh, the Patriots' defense, against Derek Anderson in Week 8. The season frustration of Matt Breda continues. You know, it looked like a couple times this year that his season was over. The injuries looked bad on the field. And I don't know how, but somehow he played last Monday night. So you probably said, okay, you know, he got through the game. Not a bad. You can use him this week. Well, once again, he aggravated his ankle injury on the first carry of the game. So he came back in. But then he limped off at the end of the first half. He wound up playing only five snaps in Week 7. For those wondering why Brita didn't do anything. So Raheem Mostert, who I did pick up in my home league last week, spent like 127 for him. 14-team league, so there's not a lot out there. You know, He looked pretty good again. Now, we did see Alfred Morris. Remember, Alfred Morris uh, last Monday night played one snap. One snap. We thought, okay, Breda might not play. We'll see Alfred Morris. Didn't happen. But Mostert looked pretty good against Green Bay. He had 12 carries for 87 yards. And then against the Rams, he had 7 for 59 and 4 catches for 19 yards. So we have seen Alfred Morris catch the football a little bit this year, but it's not something they like to do. And Morris did play 20 snaps this past week, 9 carries for 25 yards, but doesn't have the same juice that Mostert has. So Mostert, Mostert can be someone that you pick up this week if he's still available on the waiver wire. I did mention him as a deep sleeper in my deep sleeper column, which comes out on Saturday, scoutfantasysports.com. So he's certainly in play, I think, as a running back pickup this week if he's still on the waiver wire. I don't think this guy is there anymore, definitely in competitive leagues, but Marlon Mack clearly looks like the guy now for the Colts, and I wrote that last week in the waiver wire. I think the Yahoo percentage I saw was like 52% that he's owned. So he's still out there. Obviously in the high stakes leagues, he's way gone. You know, even people weren't even dropping him when he got hurt, but Mac had the hamstring injury to open the year. He hurt it again and missed three weeks. He came back last week and got most of the touches. And then this week he had a big week uh, as he had 126 yards on 19 carries. And most of his carries were for big chunks. So it's two really good games in a row. And, you know, he's got a really good matchup. This week and week eight against the Raiders. So I think that was the thing is you needed to see, okay, what is the backfield situation when Matt comes back? We saw Naheem Hines play a big role as a pass catcher, but it's diminished since Matt came back. Jordan Wilkins not involved as much either. So it's clear Marlon Mack is the guy right now for the Colts. So if he's available in your league, definitely pick him up. One guy that we've been waiting for all season long is on Johnson. We're sitting there watching him. And, like, how does this guy not get more work? And the Lions have said, yeah, we don't want to overwork him. Well, this week they had to go to him a little bit more. Theo Riddick was out. So I thought, okay, he'll catch the football. Now, he didn't have many receptions because the Lions were playing from ahead. 
He had two catches for 21 yards, but on the ground, 19 carries, 158 yards. This guy looks good. He was certainly in play as a DFS option at 4,500. And maybe his ownership went down a little bit because a lot of people started going to Nick Chubb with him starting for the Browns. But Carryon Johnson was in play, 6.4 yards per carry on the season. And you just got to hope that they continue to feed him the football. Yes, LeGarrette Blunt is still going to be involved in the offense. He had 10 for 50 and a touchdown. But the Lions controlled the game here and ran the ball a lot. So clearly you would like to see Carryon Johnson get the ball more. And because they are going to get Blunt in the mix and Theo Riddick, you know, you can't really just lock him into the lineup. But he should be a solid RB2 going forward because he looks real good. And the Lions have uh, been running the football better lately as well. The situation for the Eagles and their running backs just not as clear. Wendell Smallwood out-touched Corey Clement, but neither guy did much. I mean, 37 total yards for Smallwood, 22 for Clement. So it was pretty ugly there for that Eagles backfield. And you don't really feel great about any of these guys. And you have to think, too, do the Eagles make a trade? You know, Le'Veon Bell has kind of been mentioned with them. So I think we have to wait and see what the Eagles do at running back. But you don't feel great about any of these guys right now. Bilal Powell had a neck injury for the Jets. He went out in the second quarter. He never returned. Obviously, Isaiah Crowell couldn't get going against that Minnesota run defense, and he's been baked up as well. So Crowell obviously will get more work, but he's kind of matchup dependent. We've seen the inconsistency with him. We've seen huge games and non-existent ones. Trenton Cannon is an eye to keep a, a guy to keep an eye on in deep formats. He had four receptions, so he'll be the backup to Crowell if Powell misses some time, which is certainly possible. Uh, for the Chargers, as we mentioned, no Melvin Gordon, so Austin Eckler got the start. The problem is the Chargers had big plays on their scoring drives, and they didn't really run a lot of plays. So Eckler had 12 carries, 42 yards, five catches for 26. So it wasn't terrible. He got your double-digit points in PPR formats, but I think a lot of people were hoping for more. Once again, Tyrell Williams with a big game. It's just hard to start this guy week in, week out because the volume's not there. Yeah, he had four catches, 118 yards, and a touchdown, but he only had four targets. They're kind of spreading the ball around. Keenan Allen, as you saw, if you watched the game, was visibly upset because he was open in the end zone and Phillip Rivers didn't see him. And I know Keenan Allen hasn't really scored yet. I would buy low on Keenan Allen right now because we saw this last year. He didn't really do much in the first half from a touchdown perspective, and he had a big second half. So they're running the football a lot. You know, they have Mike Williams, Tyrell Williams, who could score at any point. But I think it's going to get better for Keenan Allen. So just continue to roll with him. As for the Titans, man, this offense is abysmal right now. You know, we did see Derrick Henry from the end zone, but 12 carries, 33 yards. That's the problem. Derrick Henry has to have a touchdown. Deion Lewis did look better. He was 13 for 91 and six receptions for 64 yards. So he's the better guy. And Corey Davis, once again, just a real rough game. Just three catches for 10 yards on seven targets. He did see a lot of Casey Hayward. He did have a bad drop as well. So it's really tough to put Corey Davis in your lineup, especially when he has a tough cornerback. I would still hold on to him. In more shallow formats, you could probably cut him. But, you know, in those uh, 18 roster spots, 20 roster spots, you got to hold him. you got to hope this offense can get better after the bye. But it's just been abysmal for the Titans right now. And I think you just got to hope that Corey Davis has some good matchups ahead. If he's going against the top corner, then it's really tough to play him because you know he's going to be shadowed and Mariota struggling to throw the football, so he's just not going to put up big fantasy numbers. 
We'll continue to go through week seven and what it means for your fantasy team. What did we learn? What can we do going forward? I'll break it down next. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Here it is, Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 8 p.m. Eastern. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. And the show is live weekdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Dr. Roto joins me on the Friday edition. And you can always check it out on demand anytime you want in case you can't listen live. And you can find all my work, ScoutFantasySports.com. I have an early look at the Week 8 waiver wire. We have analysis up on the Amari Cooper trade. In case you missed it, he was dealt to the Dallas Cowboys today for a 2019 first-round pick. We have a look at the Week 7 injury report, Dr. Roto's prescription notes, and, of course, ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want. Also, check out ScoutDFS. Great time of year for DFS. We have NHL DFS. We have NBA DFS and NFL DFS. You can get a seven-day free trial to the NBA that includes the Optimizer, which was on fire last year. A lot of good days for the Optimizer. So test it out. Seven days for free. Try it out for yourself. You know, play over the next seven days. Hopefully you profit, and then you come join us for the entire season. And a little discount, Ronis 70 Get you 70% off your first month. So go to scoutfantasysports.com and join us today. Let's continue to look at week seven and what we saw, what it means going forward. Josh Gordon had his big game, seven targets, four for 100, had a 55-yard gain, did get tired towards the end of it. You were hoping that he would find the end zone. But the bottom line is here is that Josh Gordon, we've seen his role expand. He's playing more snaps, and I said it last week that this was the first week I felt comfortable playing Josh Gordon. I did play him in my season-long league, and I think you can play him. We've seen Tom Brady consistently look for him. He's spoken very positively about him, and you know he wants him to be a big part of this offense. And Rob Gronkowski was out. Chris Hogan was the one who benefited with no Gronk. He actually had one of his better games, 6-for-63 on seven targets. So that puts him on the radar in deeper formats. Don't know if you want to rely on him, but at least you see him still in the mix uh, especially with uh, Gronkowski going out. For the Bears, Mitch Trubisky, another good fantasy game for him. 333 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. He also rushed for 81 yards on six carries and a touchdown. So he's been picked up in a lot of leagues. He still might be out there, and he should be rostered. Uh, you know, you're feeling better about him as a quarterback that you can use uh, more consistently. Uh, the frustration continued for Jordan Howard. He did score a touchdown, but just 12 for 39 on the ground with a touchdown and one catch for nine yards. I don't think he's someone you can play every week. You know, it's really tough right now uh, to rely on Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen playing a big role in this offense. 
He had six carries for 14 yards, but eight receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown. He had 12 targets in this game. It was all Tariq Cohen and Trey Burton. Trey Burton finally had that big game we've been waiting for. Nine for 126 and a touchdown on 11 targets uh, as Taylor Gabriel was the guy who was shut down three for 26. And Allen Robinson, who's been battling a groin injury, and uh, you know we probably should have been more cautious on him with Allen Robinson because he was dealing with the groin. And you know sometimes you just don't know what the extent of the injury is. And uh, Allen Robinson uh, did play quite a few snaps. He was out there for 60, but just one catch for four yards and five targets. So clearly wasn't uh, 100% there for the the Bears this week. We talked about Marlon Mack in the rushing game, but Andrew Luck, you know, I think a lot of people have been kind of hesitant to count on Andrew Luck, but it's clear he's fine, and he's someone that's a QB1 easily going forward. There's no question about it. He had four touchdowns. He didn't even need to do much. He was only 17-23 to 23 as the Colts build a big lead, but Luck is clearly a QB1, and you can make a case for him as a top-five quarterback going forward. I mean, he's got 20 touchdowns and eight interceptions across seven games. So he's producing, and he got T.Y. Hilton back, which was big. Hilton didn't have a great game because he was consistently seeing Tredavious White, but Hilton did find the end zone twice, only four for 25. Uh, so Hilton, you feel good that he's back, and you can get him in your lineup going forward. Uh, one thing of note for the Bills is that LaShawn McCoy is in concussion protocol. So Chris Ivory was 16 for 81 and 3 for 25 through the air. I really don't want to rely on anyone in the Bills offense, especially with Derek Anderson, a quarterback. You know, with four teams on by and the injuries at running back, you can make a case for Ivory next week. They're going against New England, so you know they'll be playing from behind. But we've seen Ivory get it done in the passing game. We did see Marcus Murphy also have five catches for 17 yards only and four for 53 on the ground. So in deep format, you might be desperate enough to use Ivory if McCoy's out. We don't know yet. He's in concussion protocol, but I generally don't want a piece of the Bills offense. I wasn't a fan of McCoy before the year. He was my bust of the year and our preseason pro, and uh, just happy I stayed away from him because you know a lot of people are banking on volume, but we're not even getting the volume. And even when you get the volume in an offense that was going to be this bad, not a lot of touchdown opportunities, and that's the case that you're seeing right now with uh, the the Bills. Uh, with the great game that on Johnson had, it was a disappointing day for the Lions wide receivers, but it's also hurt Matthew Stafford. You know, Stafford only put up 22 pass attempts as they played from ahead. He did have two touchdowns, but he has not been a great fantasy quarterback this year. And I have him in a couple leagues, and, you know, he's a, he's a weak link. Uh, you know, you hope that it gets better. And if I think I saw the schedule, I think they have more competitive games going forward. So obviously they might need to, to pass a little bit more. You know, when they play the Packers and, and the Vikings, they won't be able to dominate. It'll be a more neutral script or from behind going forward. And they got the Seahawks next week. They got the Vikings, the Panthers, the Bears twice, the Rams, Cardinals, and Bills will be easy, unfortunately, and then the Vikings. So they do have some games where they're going to have to pass more. So just stay patient with those receivers for the Lions. They all pretty much had quiet days. Galladay was two for 37, although he did have a touchdown taken away on a penalty. He made a great catch, and it came off the board. He only had two targets. Golden Tate, four for 36, and Marvin Jones, three for 29. It was Michael Roberts. You're like, who is that? He's the tight end. He had two touchdowns. So that kind of was the way that week was with, uh, I felt like this week, we had a kind of a lot of scenarios like that where you're like, really, these are the guys scoring the touchdowns? 
And uh, I, I thought this was a low-scoring week uh, from what I see in a lot of my leagues th- uh, this week. For the Vikings, Adam Thielen just continues to tear it apart. You just got to play him in DFS every week. You just have to. And we've kind of learned that over the last couple weeks. And we talked about it on Friday when our DFS. Just get Adam Thielen in there. And his price doesn't even go that high. It was 8500 on DraftKings for what he's done. Another 100-yard game. Nine for 110 and a touchdown. Ten targets. Stephon Diggs had 14 targets and only eight for 33. It'll get better for Diggs. See, Diggs gets the better coverage. Thielen's playing the slot. So Diggs is getting the tougher cornerbacks. But I think he'll be fine going forward. If you had to use Latavius Murray, it worked. 15 for 69 and two touchdowns as Dalvin Cook was out again. Haven't heard any update on Dalvin Cook today. But, of course, they're going to be very cautious with him because they can't throw him out out there and then have that injury get aggravated and then he misses a longer period of time. So it's been a, a frustrating year for Dalvin Cook owners as well. The Panthers were basically dead in the water. They were down 17 nothing going in the fourth quarter, and they came back and beat the Eagles. But it was another quiet week for Christian McCaffrey, just seven carries for 29 yards. Now, they were playing from behind, so they didn't run as much. Six catches for 51 yards. So in a PPR league, yeah, you got your 13, and that's fine. In a non-PPR, though, he just hasn't been as good because he relies so much on the receptions. Uh, Devin Funches continues to play very well. You know, he's probably been undervalued in fantasy. He had 11 targets, 6 for 62, and a touchdown. You know, we thought maybe Greg Olson would cut into him, but I don't think Olson looks great. He did score a touchdown, the game winner, but only two catches for five yards and a touchdown for Greg Olson. So I don't think Olson is someone that you have to start every single week going forward. It depends on who else you have at the tight end position, but... I'm worried about can he make it through the year playing on this bad foot, which he has already acknowledged is going to need surgery at the end of the year. For the Eagles, we mentioned the running game was very quiet, but Alshon Jeffrey looks really good. That is one guy I regret pushing down my board so much. You know, we didn't know his status going into the year, but he was coming off the shoulder surgery, and it clearly was a factor last year of why he wasn't great and why his catch rate was low. The surgery definitely helped. And he has looked really good. Seven for 88 and a touchdown, 10 targets. He's someone, too, that a, peop- a lot of people don't use in DFS. And it's him and Zach Ertz in this offense getting the bulk of the targets. I mean, Zach Ertz, too, money in the bank. You know, we have to pay up for him in DFS. And there's been a lot of viable cheap tight ends on given weeks. But if Ertz is going to continue to go low-owned, it's good for you in tournaments. Nine for 138 on 11 targets. He has just been crushing it this season. And, you're really happy if you drafted Ertz early, you know, third, fourth round. With the way the tight end position is, it just gives you a lot of security. You don't have to worry uh, at that tight end spot. We talked about Baker Mayfield last week, that he was in a really good spot. He failed to deliver. He really did. I mean, 215 passing yards and two touchdowns, four carries for 43 yards. You expect more against the Tampa Bay defense that is struggling. I know they fired Mike Smith the week before, and sometimes you'll see the team rally and play better, but this was a disappointing performance. Nick Chubb came through if you used him. Obviously, he was chalky in DFS, uh, and in seasonal leagues, he was picked up in a lot of leagues. I drafted him, and all the leagues I had him, I really used him. I could have used him, looking for that RB2, and he was in all my lineups. 18 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Did not catch a pass, only two targets, so that's something that we know he's not going to really do much, so he... 
He's going to need to score touchdowns or at least give you, you know, 80, 90 yards in a given week. But the opportunity is going to be there. 18 carries in this game. So that's what you're looking at going forward. We did get the Jarvis Landry bounce back game you were hoping for. 15 targets for him. 10, car- 10 catches, 97 yards on a touchdown. David Njoku continues to rise. He was my favorite tight end play of the week on DraftKings at 4,200. He was 4 for 52 on a touchdown on six targets. But the one thing that stood out here was still the lack of involvement of Duke Johnson. And I thought with the trade of Carlos I and the injuries and lack of depth at wide receiver, we would see more Duke Johnson, and we didn't. He only had one carry, and not that you're looking for carries for him. You're you're hoping for four to six. But the passing game, I thought maybe going forward the floor would be six receptions, four for 23 on four targets. So it really... Didn't amount to nothing, but you got to think that's going to change going forward. And Antonio Callaway was just—he's been peppered with targets, but in this game he wasn't because he's been struggling. He has not been able to catch a lot of those targets. In this game, only two targets, one for fourteen, so doesn't look good for him. So it's really Landry, Njoku, and Chubb in this offense, and you hope that Duke can get going and uh, more involved in the offense. One thing that stood out this week for Tampa Bay was that wide receiver. I don't think people have realized, but Chris Godwin has been playing less snaps than Adam Humphreys. You know, Evans, Deshaun Jackson, and Humphreys have been playing more than Chris Godwin. It's really not reflected in the numbers because Godwin has been scoring touchdowns and they've been going to him. But this week, only Mike Evans of the receivers played more snaps than Chris Godwin. So that's a good sign. He was like 69%, I believe. So that's what you want to see as a Chris Godwin owner. And he had 5 for 59 on 6 targets. Uh, Adam Humphrey said eight. I mean, Winston seems to like throwing to him, but Godwin's way better, and they look for him in the red zone, so you got to hope that goes well going forward. And O.J. Howard clearly is the tight end to own, even though Winston does that in the past, had that report. Brait, Brait only four targets and three for 23. O.J. Howard five for 67 on nine targets. So O.J. Howard definitely is the preferred tight end there for Tampa Bay, which is going to be pass-heavy since they really struggle to – to run the football. The Ravens, uh, man, Justin Tucker never missed an extra point until yesterday. And it was the game potential game-tying extra point late in the game. So it sent the Ravens to a loss uh, for Tucker, who's been one of the most reliable kickers. So it was surprising to see. John Brown continues to tear it up. Seven targets, cut all of them for 134 yards and a touchdown. The Willie Sneed revenge game did not happen. Dropped a couple passes, only three for 23. But Sneed has been... Pretty productive. He's been getting double-digit points in PPR formats pretty much every week. It didn't happen here. Alvin Kamara, more touches than Mark Ingram this week. He had 19. Ingram had 14. Yes, he didn't have a big game, but this is the Ravens. This is a good defense, so I don't see how you can be upset with Kamara. 17 for 64 and a touchdown. Just a little surprising that he didn't catch as many passes, just 2 for 11 through the air. You thought that he would be involved more. And Traquan Smith, he's the guy there. You know, I think some people last week were debating, okay, is it going to be Traquan Smith or Cameron Meredith? And for those of you that are ScoutFantasySports.com subscribers, I wrote in late August, Traquan Smith is a, a stash and cash guy because this guy was really talented at a good preseason, and it was just a matter of would he get his opportunity. And sometimes the opportunity never comes, and sometimes it does. It takes an injury or a player just looking so good whenever he has – Passes thrown his way or in practice. And with Traquan Smith, we had to wait a little bit, but he's here. He played 73% of the snaps in week seven, 52 of 71, 
Now, he didn't have a great game, three for 44, but again, Ravens cornerbacks have played very well this year. So I have Traquan in a couple leagues. I did not play him this week because I didn't like the matchup, but he's on the radar going forward. I think he's someone that you could look at, especially when they have a good matchup where you expect a lot of points because Cameron Meredith didn't do much. He only played 18 snaps, and he had no targets. So Traquan Smith for sure is the guy. And again, we've written about him the last couple weeks. We've talked about him on the show. So people might have picked him up, but in some shallow formats, he's still out there. He's the guy that you want to add uh, for this team. No question about it there. I I like Traquan Smith going forward. The Rams, without Cooper Cup, no problem. They run over the 49ers. And we didn't see much from Josh Reynolds, so there might have been some talk about, okay, Reynolds could do something. He only had one catch for 19 yards. The tight ends involved a little bit more, but not much, just three targets. So it was all Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks, and they didn't have big games because Todd Gurley, once again, just lit it up. Uh, Three more touchdowns for him. And uh, for the 49ers, Marquise Goodwin, disappointing. And, you know, he is boomer bust, so you have to take that into account. He had two catches for 24 yards and five targets. So that's just the epitome of this offense. George Kittle did come through five for 98 in a touchdown, but Rams defense finally played well. Uh, Aaron Donald was a monster in this game. If you have an IDP, you're very happy. He had four sacks and nine tackles. So finally, the Rams defense came into play, and the 49ers were pretty much shut down. Of course, uh, Sunday Night Football, the Chiefs, they're just so much fun to watch as they had another dominant performance. Kareem Hunt looked really good. There was some concern for Kareem Hunt early in the year because he wasn't involved in the passing game much. Not anymore. Kareem Hunt had five catches for 55 yards, two touchdowns through the air, 86 yards and a touchdown on the ground. This offense just clicking on all cylinders. So much fun to watch them right now. And the Bengals, very disappointing because you expected a high-scoring game. They played catch-up. But Andy Dalton in primetime on the road once again struggled. And uh, Joe Mixon only 13 for 50 on the ground because they were playing for Biden. Only had three catches for one yard. That's a problem. That's where they should have gotten him involved. And Tyler Boyd, another quiet game, 3 for 27. A.J. Green's the only one that came through with 7 for 117. That wraps it up here. But don't worry, I'll be back Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. And in the meantime, you can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. The Week 8 Waiver Wire article is up. I'll have the Week 8 Fab Guide tomorrow. You can ask questions on the message boards and the forums. Use the promo code RONUS70 to get 70% off your first month. I'll be back Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.